welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. It's, uh, we've got a really precious church, don't we? And um, God is doing amazing things, and uh, there are a number of uh, people that we have who've just have been going out into different places and ministering and seeing uh, seeing the Word of God just ministering and touching people's lives. And so this morning's message, um, I'm going to kind of set myself up here a bit. This, this particular message is not only the most important of the messages of this Zoe series, but it also, I think, possibly... I don't know whether you can list messages or subjects in order of importance, but it's possibly the most important message I've ever preached. Um, it might not be, but I mean, it's got to be up there. It's got to be in the, oh, let's put it in the top ten, right? So let's put it in the top ten. It's got to be, it, it's the subject matter. We're speaking about the Zoe, Zoe life, the blessed life. Zoe means to be to live life in its full abundance. John ten ten says uh, that Jesus says, "I have come that you may have life and life in all its abundance." And Jesus has spoken over us an abundant life, a Zoe life, a life which is full of everything that He's got for us. And so we began to discover last week that. It's not about what he can do for us, but it is about us entering in to the gate. Entering, Jesus said, I am the gate. Um, Before he said about the life that you can have abundantly, he says, I'm the gate. So, So really the subject is not about what we can get, it's about what we can give and what, who we enter into. And so, but this morning, uh, I want to um, go through a series of subjects and and a series of scriptures, and um, the sum, this morning is called the principle of the first. The principle of the first. And we understand that, we can understand that we must put God first. If we can put God first in our life, then we can set in order everything else. There, there is a, there, there's always a, uh, a pleasure in getting things which are in a mess Sorted out, isn't there? There's a there's always a pleasure of taking things which are uh, untidy, and uh, I know I've often said that one of the things that I enjoy to do at home uh, is tidy the kitchen. I, it, it it's not like I'm sort of obsessive or anything about it, but I like things to be in the right place. I like the pots and pans structured in a, an appropriate manner. And, and what happens in the, the use, I don't know if uh, saucepans don't stack easily, do they? And, uh, or or um, baking trays. Um, and, and a number of those, none of those sort of stacks. So, so you've got to put some thought and intelligence into how they get stacked. But what tends to happen is that stuff gets pulled out and then put back quickly. Uh, and after a period of maybe a couple of days of, of cooking, then things are not quite where they should be. Saucepans have been used, um, maybe some taken out, and then others being placed. And, and they're, they're, I find it, it, it deeply spiritually meaningful to, <laughs> to just take everything out and put it back as it should be and, and put some order in the kitchen and, uh, and make sure the cups are set in the right. I have this uh, slightly um, 
Can I use the word anal? Slightly, uh, slightly sort of uh, like just obsessive, yeah. Uh, just mindset about where, how the mugs should be placed and which ones should be where, right? And people come along and they, they, we have a lot of people in the house and they come in and they, and they help tidying up, which is lovely. And then I have to read it. And because uh, they put the wrong cups on the wrong shelves. So. And, and they're not in the place where I need them to be. And, and just put things in the right order. You know, when we, when we understand that, that God has an order for our life, that there is a flow of blessing, need to understand what, how that blessing works, that how, what the putting him first really means. And it says in, in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 19 to 24, it says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We're going to speak about um, the uh, God of mammon um, uh, at, a, at another time, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, I think it is. Uh, but I, I, this morning, I, I want us to understand that when Jesus is speaking, I read the whole scripture, but the, the key part of this scripture is this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We, we speak a lot about understanding about where the, our treasure is, there our heart is. Here's the thing about these, these two principles, this scripture. I've discovered this, that the poor and the poverty-minded have said that wealth is bad. Right? The poor and the poverty-minded. Some people are poverty-minded, but they're not poor. But they tend towards poverty. They've said that wealth is bad. The rich and the greedy have said that wealth is good. And they're both wrong. Why? Because wealth isn't good and it isn't bad. It isn't anything. It's an inanimate object that is used according to where we want to use it. Do you understand me? You know, here's here's the thing about good and bad. There are a lot of things which people think things are good and things are bad. Here's the thing, right? Nuclear weapons are not bad they're not very useful <laughs> if people are bad see see god doesn't have a special place in hell for nuclear weapons you with me here he doesn't have a special place he doesn't have a special judgment for for things which we say are bad for drugs all right they're neither good nor bad. They're not anything. They're inanimate objects. They are animals are not good nor bad. They, they're just animals. They don't, they, there's only one thing which is good or bad, and that is the heart of man. Yeah. 
Are you with me here? Only the heart of man. There is nothing else that can be defined or described as good or bad. And so when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, there's two questions we have to ask ourselves. Number one, where is your treasure? Number two, what is your treasure? See, the kingdom of God is about where your heart is. To live a blessed life, we have to understand where your heart is. And the un- to understand your heart, to be able to measure where your heart is, we have to ask ourselves, well, I, I, I think I know where my heart is, but this is how I can measure it fully. It's where I've placed my treasure. Well, what do I define as my treasure? Here's the thing. Treasure isn't just your finances, although I I want to speak about that to a degree. Treasure is about the things which you consider most important to you. So those things which you would... My treasure is my wife and and family, first and foremost. That's my treasure. Now, my finances, I don't have a lot to treasure. (laughs) If I did, maybe I would. I've never been in the privileged position to do so. Right, so, but here's the thing. Let me tell you something about why money is such a big deal to people and why we struggle to talk about it. Why, of all personal subjects, people say you can't talk about money in church. They don't say you can't talk about cars. Cars cost a lot of money, but you can talk about cars, but you can't talk about money. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird? But why, why do you think that? i tell you why it is. Because your finances are a reflection of your life. Here's the deal. Most of you have gone off and you've, you've gone to work. And you've done some work. And you, you're either working, let's say you're working for someone. And your boss has said to you, thank you for the work that you have done. He's a good boss. I appreciate the work. And for that work that you have done, I will give you this amount of wealth as a reflection for the work that you've given me. So the life you've lived has now been replaced with physical cash. And now you now have cash as a reflection of life that's lived. You with me here? So your wealth is very personal because it is a reflection of you. And your wealth, you own it. And so we have to understand that we have to have, we have to deal with the attitude of our heart according to our wealth, according to our treasures, according to everything that we have, everything that we own, everything that we, um, we possess. We have to understand, well, where do I place my treasure? How do I, how do I make sure that God is my number one. How do I get it in this place? And Because and, we would think that, well, if I worship the Lord, then, then if I worship the Lord, then, then therefore God is my number one. And I, a lot of people would just say, God, I come and I worship the Lord, and so God's therefore my number one. But here's the problem with that. Cain worshipped God as well as Abel. So, but Cain, Cain's worship wasn't acceptable. 
Let me just read to you Genesis chapter 4. This will make sense at the end. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the, fir- of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And, the Cain, and, the, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the measure of Cain and Abel wasn't who they worshipped, but how they worshipped. It wasn't who they worshipped, it was how they worshipped. And the thing with Cain was, it says Cain in the process of time. In other words, God wasn't first in his thinking. It's a little bit like when at Christmas time, you remember your third cousin, you forgot to send a Christmas card... And on the 28th, you think, well, you know, it's still in the Christmas week. I'll send them a Christmas card and I'll just underline Happy New Year. And, and you send them a Christmas card and you go, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And you think to yourself, that was a close one. But it's your third cousin, right? So it's not, not really that important. And so you give in the process of time, you send them a card. That's what Cain did. That's why God went... Cheers. Thanks, Cain. That's, um, that's very meaningful. I fully appreciate the depth and meaning of your offering. Because he didn't do so. He didn't put God first in his offering. Now, I, I want you to understand that your offering is first and foremost your life. It's first and foremost your life. It includes your tithe, it includes your first fruit gifts, it includes everything, but it is your life. And God said, saw of Cain, respected Abel, because Abel went to the Lord and said, Lord, I've worked hard, and this is the first fruit, this is the first that has come, and I'm going to give the first, and I'm going to give the first to you, Lord. I don't know whether there's a second. The second might just Cark it. It might just fall over and die. There might not be a second, but I'm giving the Lord the first. And so the Lord received it. Now, here's what was going on, because what we don't understand is what the first, why the first is so important to the Lord. I remember my brother... um, being encouraged to tithe by the pastor of the church this is many, many years ago um, when we lived in England. And Cheryl and I had really gone through a, a personal revelation of giving and tithing. And, and we put the Lord number one in our lives and we had given away everything that we owned even before, just before we got married, six weeks before we got married. We gave, we gave to the Lord everything that we'd saved to get married with and then had nothing, and then the Lord provided everything. That was the beginning of our life. And so we had this personal story. It's not a story that my brother had. So my brother is living in a house with his wife and his children, uh, and he's got a mortgage, and and he's got all the costs of living, etc., and he's got all of those expenses. We all know what that's like when when life has sort of taken on. It's, it's, It's a lot easier to learn to give when you don't have the burdens 
<laughs> it's much harder to kind of get it when the burdens are already established. And so the pastor is saying to, to my brother, he's going, look, I think you should try and give something. Why don't you give a five pounds, five pounds a week? And I said to my brother, forget it, keep your money. Five pounds is not going to make a blind bit of difference to the church. Five pound in the basket, five pound out of the basket. What, did that, what will that buy? A few bread rolls for communion? You understand me here? What's the value of the five pounds? If either, either you've got a revelation, an understanding, your, either your heart wants to give to the Lord or, or it doesn't. Don't give just because, you. oh, well, I ought to give something. It's, that's like sending a Christmas card on the 28th of December. It's like, oh, oh yeah. You understand me here? I says to my brother, forget it. Until you get it in your heart, understand that it's about your heart. It's not about an amount of money. I know what the, the pastor was thinking. I need to get the money. <laughs> but God doesn't need your money. <laughs> he doesn't need your money. Here's the thing. It's dangerous for me to say this. I don't need your money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> amen. Nobody say amen. There you go. But we don't, I don't need it. My God has provided for me. This church has been provided for before you ever came through the door. He's provided every need. He, he will provide. You understand me. This is not about, he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. God is not rich. He doesn't need your offering. He needs your heart. And he needs you to understand the power of what it means to put God first. It's about the first, getting that first right. And we can convince ourselves that we put God first because we came to church and we did this. But Cain Cain came to church. But he came to church with not putting God first. Go with me to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, verse 1 to 2. I want you to see this. This is, for me, this is one of the most important scriptures, the most important principles that ties into the, into the gospel. And this is something I preached on the Easter. Exodus 13, verse 1 to 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb... Among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. All right. So the Lord says, whatever is first, that belongs to me. Now go with me to verse 11. Let's skip down a few chapters, a few verses. Exodus 13, verse 11. And it shall be, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he has swore to you and your fathers, And gives it to you that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opened the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey. That's weird. Why donkey? We'll get to that. But when I read that of a donkey, what's wrong with donkeys, right? The firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem. With a lamb. 
And if it will not be redeemed, then you shall break its neck. For all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall, and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time, saying, what is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Now, listen. Here's the thing. Every firstborn belongs to the Lord. And he says of the, of the sons of man, they shall be redeemed. In other words, they shan't be sacrificed. You've got the firstborn is either redeemed or sacrificed. It's not good sacrificing people. So the Lord says you must redeem the sons by sacrificing a lamb. Then says the firstborn of unclean animals, which are donkey, you shall take of a donkey, and a donkey is unclean. You can't sacrifice a donkey, so you must redeem a donkey's life by sacrificing a lamb. Are you with me? And if you're not going to redeem it, you're going to lose it. So in other words, the Lord owns all the firstborn. If you don't give... That which belongs to the Lord, you'll lose it. That's the Old Testament principle. Jesus is the lamb, the firstborn of God, the firstborn of all creation, that we might have new life. You with me here? Jesus is the lamb. What does it say in Matthew's gospel that Jesus tells the disciples that they will take a colt, the foal of a donkey, And he will ride on that donkey into Jerusalem. The lamb redeems the donkey. You with me here? Mankind represents that which is unclean. Man is unclean, but is redeemed by the sacrifice of them. When Jesus gave his life, he gave, he was the firstborn. He is the firstborn of God. And he gave his life that all of us may be redeemed. Are you with me here? And so when he rode upon that donkey, he was signifying and declaring that he is paying the price for all mankind that all may be redeemed. And that our whole life, our, everything that we own will be blessed. Now we have to understand if God gave his first, then it is not too much to ask that we would place him first in our life and everything that comes from us, that we would just say, Lord, first, that's why we love to tithe. That's why we we just have it taken from our salary. But I don't even see the tithe. It it gets taken from my salary uh, because... Uh, that's the most efficient way of doing it. Uh, the, the tithe belongs to the Lord. You understand me here? So, so Cheryl and I, before we were salaried, we would tithe and we would take the tithe because it, it belongs to the Lord 
first. Uh, and we would then take on... Now, here's the, here's the thing about the, the tithe. The tithe is not a legal thing. It's not a, you're not under the law to tithe. I need you to know that. I want to break that curse off your life. <laughs> if that's been so Because I've, I've lived in many messages where people have been condemned for not tithing as that God's going to judge them. That is, we do not live according to Old Testament rules. We live according to a New Testament, which is a much more beautiful, much higher line of blessing. But the tithe is my ability, my option to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I put you first. And here's the thing about putting... If I put God first... When I put him first by saying, Lord, this, this is my life. I only have to give you the first fruit. I only have to give you the, the first which comes into my hand, the first of my increase. If I only, it, everything else is redeemed because I gave first, my first. Does that make sense to you? Let me just read this to you. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Honour the Lord with your possessions, the first fruit of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This, first things first, number one, I don't give to God that I might get something. I, I, I remember hearing that if I tithed, I'll get rich. I tithed, I, I genuinely, I, it didn't happen. I didn't get rich. That's a really dumb, it's a really stupid thing to do. You don't get rich by, you get rich by good investment. Right? Wise practice of your finances, if you want. I, I just want to say, uh, where's uh, Tommaso? Tommaso is, he's downstairs. Tommaso is downstairs, is he? I was having a good chat. Tommaso, I'm going to set him up right now, because Tommaso is one of the most beautiful people you'll, you'll ever get the pleasure of talking to. One of the reasons is because he's Italian. Uh, and Italians have this, this style. And, this, and uh, we, I just went round uh, and he just cooks up a little bit of, uh, uh, was it gnocchi? Is, it, is that what you call it? And, uh, uh, and he just sort of fries it up. And it's just, it's just like, it's just, it, it's so much more exquisitely beautiful than, the, the, the rubbish pasta that I sort of boil and, <laughs> and he's just got started and we, we were speaking about wealth creation and he has got a real heart that, that people will understand the principles and values of business and, and that they would, they would understand it, the godly values of building business and we're speaking about the fact that he, he's gonna, we're going to set up this business club I'm setting him up now because he didn't actually say so, but we know, no, we do. We talked about it, and he because he wants to help people, just help them find mentors and and to help mentor people in in the ways of business because that creates wealth, right? That's got nothing to do with this. Need you to understand this is this is not about if 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 you come to church to get rich. Well, don't <laughs> don't come to church. That's stupid. Come to church to worship the Lord. Understand who he is. 
the Lord, the Lord can bless you and lead you in wisdom that will enable you to grow wealthy. That's a, that's a wonderful blessing. But, but that's got nothing to do with our heart. He wants your heart. And he wants to bless you so that your life is blessed. Because my life has been blessed and I've had wealth and then not had wealth. And there have been many things that have blessed me. My life is better. I don't need wealth to be blessed. Are you with me? You don't need, if your life needs wealth and needs possessions and needs things as a testimony of, of, of God's blessing, then somehow you've missed the point. Your life is blessed because he gave his life to redeem you. And he's redeemed the curse of your life. And you are liberated and free from every curse. You're empowered to live a life as the son and daughter of God with full authority to speak over every covenant word that he's spoken over you. And that you can live a life that brings forth the kingdom of God. Now listen, listen, let me read this to you. Matthew 6, Jesus says this. This is how Jesus addresses what I'm saying very poorly. Jesus says this in Matthew 6 verse 30. He says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which it today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows you need all these things. Here's the important thing. I grew up in a poverty environment that said these things were bad. That's stupid. The Bible says my father knows I need our money. He knows. (laughs) My father knows I need things. He knows you need things, right? He knows what you need. It is not your responsibility to measure your life of blessing by the things that you have. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, first, put God first. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we sometimes go, well, if I, if I do that, then I get the thing. That's missing the point. The point is... That we put God first in our life. We understand that if I place God first, if I put him first in my finances, if I put him first in my time, if I put him first when I wake up in the morning rather than Facebook, if I put him first in everything that I do, if I put him first in my family, so my family knows that it's God first, not my attitude. I, I sometimes get so devastated that, that people, their, their, their families get devastated because they don't put God first, they put their attitude first. And they try and get God to bless their attitude. Does that make sense to you? Let's put God first, right? I'm going to, finish with this little scripture and this scripture is something that we've been preaching on since October of last year and it's found itself into multiple messages that we've been preaching on and in my mind it is the epitome of what first means 
Because when I put God first, I lift up what Christ did upon the cross to redeem my life. If I put God first in my, in my giving, in my tithe, in my lifestyle, in my attitudes, if I put God first in my worship, the rest of my life is, is redeemed and it speaks of that redemption because that's what Christ did for us. He gave his life to redeem us. 1 John 4 verse 7 to 11 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I kind of feel like, I know I've said this many times of this particular scripture. I kind of feel like we could do the rest of our lives on that scripture, couldn't we? And still not fully unpack its power. I feel like the church, we spend so much of our time driven to do things. Driven to be good. Driven to try and be good, do good. Goodness comes from the heart and the heart reveals goodness by the love that flows out of us. How do I love God? I put him first. How do I show my love of God? I, I make him number one. How do I respond to other people? I put them above my own needs. I respond to others. I respond to other people's needs, other people's issues and trials and tribulations. And I respond to that in a way that says, you know, I, I, I've got stuff that I'm dealing with, but I'm going to love you first. Not it, really. Don't need to preach another message, do we? We just get that bit right. Then we've got it right. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I'm going to... I'm 50... I was going to say I'm 53. I'm not quite. 52. I've still got quite a long way to go, right? Been preaching the gospel. Been preaching since I was 18. It's a funny thing, isn't it? So that's a lot of messages, isn't it? It's a lot of things to talk about. But really, really, a blessed life, life abundant that God wants, the life of miracle power, life of overcoming, 
simply this. Lord, you're my number one. Everything I have, put it first into your hand. You get the first bit. Trusting that everything, anything else I, I have, that's fine. Lord, you're number one. My family, Lord, you're number one of my family. You sit at the meal table with us when we eat. Gather around when we sit at the TV. Well, that's awkward. You're with me and the family when we watch YouTube. Ouch. You're with me, Lord. Here's the thing. Your expression of worship is a very personal thing. When Cheryl and I were um, first married, the Lord spoke to us about getting rid of a TV. So we never had a TV for seven years. And a lot of people would say that, Kevin and Cheryl, say that TV is wrong. And I kept trying to say, I, I genuinely don't think it's wrong. I used to sit and watch Neighbours at my parents' house when it was cool and uh, uh, I, I genuinely didn't believe that TV was wrong that's stupid I just didn't want TV in the house because we wanted to just put God first and it set us up for life it, that season set us up set up our family it set up our devotion it set up our worship I used to ask my mum to come and babysit and she would just, she would go, oh, just, I want to come. And she would bring a Bible and she would sit in the house because there's no TV to watch. She, you babysit in our house, it was like, you've got to bring a book. And she would bring, she would bring a Bible and she would just, and we would go off and come back. And she would generally be on the floor crying and praying, just because the presence of God is here. And it's, I never fully appreciated the value of what that was. It, it we just simply put God number one. Putting God number one is a very personal thing. It's your personal story. It's, it's your worship. It's your heart. It's, your, it, it's what the Lord is encouraging you to do. To just kind of say, Lord, you're number one. What will you give up? We gave up TV. You don't necessarily have to give up anything. But what, how, do, how will you worship the Lord? You take that which is first. Make the Lord first. And in so doing, you will redeem everything that's in your life. Everything which is unclean, everything which is broken, gets healed because you're now in covenant with the Lord I remember let me just finish with this story um, we had a wonderful couple who were in our church many of you remember Ernest and Aileanne um, they now live in Houston um, and Ernest was part of our core team um, originally from Gabon uh, he was one of the senior directors of Shell um, in uh, Aberdeen and uh, uh, such a beautiful spirit. And I remember him 
speaking in a manner that just brought something home. Their son um, had a serious, their youngest son had quite a serious sickness. I think it was something to do with his legs. I think it was. I can't remember now what, what it was. Somebody will correct me. But he had a very serious sickness. And Ernest just stood on the stage and, and he, before his son was healed, he, he stood on the stage with his son and, and he just says, um, I tithe. I tithe. My Lord is my number one. I, I've got a covenant with the Lord. I know my son is going to be fine. That was his revelation. And it just hit me in the heart. It's like, well, there is trust in the Lord, right? It's beautiful. Of course, his son was completely healed and the doctors didn't know how or why. And so later he just stood up and said, this is my son, he's been healed. But he stood and declared that he would be healed because he'd already made the Lord number one. Because the Lord is number one, he knew that he was walking in a path of redemption for his whole family. I believe that as a church and as Christians, we want to live an extraordinary life. I believe that there is far greater to be achieved. I believe that the gospel that I read is so powerful. So much more can be done. I I believe Jesus when he said, you shall do greater things than these. I believe him. I believe that my life will see greater things. I believe there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where men and women will seek the Lord. I believe that a society broken by the secularism and humanism, that the hand of God's grace will touch and heal today's society. I I believe in the redemption of society. I believe in the power of prayer. You know, um, Australia just had an election Uh, And not many people know this, but the Australia's um, prime minister, who was uh, everyone said was going to lose, is a born-again Christian. He's a close friend of a a number of friends of ours. My claim to fame is (laughs) that I have friends who are friends of the Australian prime minister. Of course, he has no idea who I am, but I don't mind. And so, so, but they were going to lose the election, right? They were going to lose... And it was going to move towards a more secular humanist agenda. But a man who stood up with a government that had made pretty much a pig's ear for the previous four years of running the country, in the last nine months he stood up, turned it around and managed to pull together a country. What changed it? Prayer changed it because he's a a spirit-filled, Bible-believing man who wanted to bring something fresh, the hand of God, into the nation, bring some godly governance back into the nation. When I saw that, I realized that prayer changes nations. Changes. We can change. We put God number one. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.